Hello! Leah Ryan here. Welcome to episode 22 of the Authors Read podcast. Today's author is Mark Perna, and he'll read from his book, Answering Why, Unleashing Passion, Purpose, and Performance in Younger Generations. Hello, I'm Mark Perna, author of Answering Why, Unleashing Passion, Purpose, and Performance in Younger Generations. It's a business book that parents, educators, and employers can use to tap into the proven strategies that motivate today's youth. Whether it's helping them discover a new skill or informing them about educational options, I hope to provide a resource for stakeholders to improve overall engagement and performance. Today I'll be reading a section of the book that touches the subject of educational alternatives, specifically speaking to parents about how to help younger generations acquire self-reliance and independence. Chapter 4. Why the Y Generation Doesn't Hear the Branch Creaking Today's younger generations, more than any previous generation, seldom, if ever, hear the branch creak under their feet. A notable exception would be the younger members of the Y Generation who grew up witnessing the effects of the 2008 economic downturn on their parents' and older siblings' careers, and are thus more concerned about their own economic prospects. When I have asked audiences why most of today's young people do not hear the branch creak, participants have contributed such suggestions as, they're too comfortable, they take few chances, they rarely climb the tree, and they hardly ever go outside. All accurate answers and yet the most enlightening reason is that they are, for the most part, the sons and daughters of the most financially successful generations in history, the Baby Boomers and Generation X. And no matter where they sit today, upper, middle, or lower income, their situation is not that bad. They can always move back home with their parents, crash at a buddy's house, or find a place to lay their head at night. Even at the lower income end of the spectrum, there are state and local support services available to lend a helping hand. Our chickens are coming home to roost, says David Slode, the president and CEO of the Associated Builders and Contractors Keystone Chapter in Pennsylvania. I think there is a dawning realization that as the number of people living with their parents without a job increases, we are entering a crisis. The fact is that college is not for everyone, especially at 18 years old. That narrative that you need to go to college has done us all a disservice that leads us to our current underemployment problem. I think we can all agree that we might need a more sustainable model. And to do that, we first need to acknowledge that the Y generation has been raised for achievement. They have been generously praised both when they have done well and sometimes when they have done poorly to avoid damaging their self-esteem. Their parents, and therefore they, have placed a huge importance on racking up accomplishments both inside and outside the classroom. Parents, teachers, coaches, and friends have affirmed them throughout their childhood with seemingly endless strings of praise and positive comments. These ongoing accolades have become critical to their self-esteem and have led to a desire for a great deal of continuing attention. They have been nicknamed the Trophy Kids because in many parts of this country, trophies are provided for everyone who participates in a sport. Not just the winning team, everyone who plays receives a trophy. You have to ask, 
If everyone receives a trophy, does the trophy mean anything? To anyone? In this circumstance, it appears we have watered down achievement to the lowest common denominator in an effort to avoid hurting anyone's feelings while artificially boosting self-esteem. But if self-esteem comes from within and represents what we think of ourselves, is it possible to artificially create it? Entitlement also grows out of a sense of being right, even when you're wrong. Through our efforts to bolster their self-esteem, these generations have grown up rarely being told they are wrong. The deck has been stacked in some cases to ensure that they do not hear the branch creak or feel the shame of being wrong. But growth happens when you are wrong, the branch creaks, and you face the consequences of your actions. If consequences don't occur, a feeling of always being right, and therefore entitled, can result. This can be seen in schools across the country as far too many students are doing less work but still expecting to graduate all the same and simply move on. As an example, it has become easier and easier for a student to catch up on deficient credits in high school, especially at the last minute, because schools are under fire to graduate their students and move them on into some kind of positive placement such as college, career training, the military, and so on. A credit-deficient student does not have enough credits to graduate because somewhere along the line he or she has not taken or passed enough of the right courses. Sometimes this situation arises because of the courses these students took, the performance they delivered, or just plain laziness and lack of engagement. For whatever reason, these students become at risk of not graduating. In our society and school systems today, this is considered a failure not only of the student, but also the school, the community, the state, and the education system in general. Everyone loses. So what's the answer when everyone loses? We must make sure that they get the credits and move on because that is in everyone's best interest according to the way our education system is evaluated and funded. I know counselors, teachers, and administrators who hound students to make up their credits by staying after school, coming in early, or working harder. As reported to me, many credit-deficient students exhibit a total lack of interest in doing the necessary work because they know that at the last minute, and in the final hours, there will be an easy fix to their situation. I've been told by counselors that some students will say, why should I try during the school year when I can get an easy credit online from home in a few weeks? The students are smart. They've come to understand the way the system works, and consequently many have figured out the bare minimum necessary to simply get through. There appears to be no branch creek, little consequence, and certainly no light at the end of the tunnel for these students. If there is no urgency, no want to, then there is no how-to leading to performance. Consider the long-term effects of this system on students today who become the employees of tomorrow. Have we taught them to strive with all their might for what they want or to do as little as possible to get by? In my travels, I speak to many diverse education groups and I always ask teachers in the audience, have you ever looked into the eyes of a student and clearly wanted it more for them than they wanted it for themselves? Teachers nod in complete agreement, and some articulate out loud that it happens every day. In a dream state kind of way, many of them feel 
They would love to hold the student up against the wall by the collar in an effort to get through and state directly, do you realize the options and opportunities that are passing you by every day? Do you have any idea of the amazing possibilities within your reach? Wake up. I submit to you that these students simply don't hear the branch creak. They're pretty comfortable, and growth is a far-off maturity kind of concept that happens when they are much older, certainly not today. But growth happens when we step outside of our comfort zone when the branch creaks, almost never when we are inside our comfort zone standing on firm ground. We should think about the safety nets we've created for our children and students, and maybe also ourselves. Should those safety nets be removed? Branch creaks mean nothing if there's no real danger of plunging to the ground below. Short-term discomfort can be the catalyst for long-term positive change, and that might start with the parents. Parenting, a broad spectrum. In general, Today's younger generations have been nurtured and cared for to an extent unlike any previous generation. I've touched on this before, but it's an important truth to grasp where many of their traits come from. They have been supported, encouraged, and given a great many opportunities that were unavailable to their ancestors. Perhaps you've experienced life as part of this nurtured generation. Nurturing is essential and important, but how far should it be taken? Is there a point at which it goes from a positive to a negative? My previous home had a robin's nest outside the front door. It was nestled inside a tall standing bush right in front of one of the two columns at the front door. What made this nest fun to watch was that it was easily visible from behind, where you could see it from the front porch. It was wonderful. I was able to get close and peer in to see the young occupants after they had hatched. Mother and father bird were always gracious in allowing me to catch a bird's eye view of the action. I never lingered, just grabbed a quick look and moved back inside so as not to spook them. No doubt, mother and father bird were wonderful, nurturing parents. They kept watch, defended, fed, and took care of any other needs their young had. I watched as the baby birds grew and reached their young adult stage. For several days, the young birds began to fly in and out of the nest, testing their wings, developing strength, and acquiring the early signs of self-reliance and independence. After several days of this ballet of coming and going from the nest, the nest was empty. The entire family had moved on. Sure, the mother and father were still engaged in the lives of their young and would continue to feed them, but the goal of the process had been to wean them off parental support so they could fly, hunt, and care for themselves. This and many other examples of parenting exist in nature. Parents helping their young develop the necessary skills to literally and figuratively fly on their own. There are many kinds of parents, unengaged, engaged, and perhaps even overengaged. Are you familiar with the term helicopter parents? These are the parents who are constantly hovering over their sons and daughters just as helicopters hover to ensure that everything in their lives is going well and according to plan. As I said, the Y generation has been nurtured unlike any previous generation, due in part 
to the technological advances that give us the ability to stay connected 24 hours a day, modern parents have unprecedented connection to their children. I do not mean to suggest that helicopter parenting is completely negative, but it can flirt with the boundary between empowering and enabling. Are we ever allowing our children to fly on their own versus continually flapping their wings for them and feeding them? Could we be helping them beyond the time they can do it for themselves? And if we are, is that helping them achieve the results we truly want for them? Through my work with schools across the country, I have heard shocking stories of helicopter parents interceding to make up for their son's or daughter's lack of performance in the classroom. It has been reported that some helicopter parents wake up their adult children each morning at college or prior to the workday to ensure they are on time and on task. What's more, if something goes wrong, they are the first to be on the phone to correct the perceived injustice to their kids. To be clear, I am 100% behind every parent's desire to be fully invested, fully behind, and fully supportive of their kids and their performance. Parents, I am for you and with you. But there is a difference between covering for your child and supporting the learning process. As much as I wanted my sons to succeed in school, I have never been a fan of reversing a bad grade or making excuses to the teacher about a lack of performance displayed by either Matt or Nick. I believe in the idea that they should endure the consequences of their actions, all their actions. As a result, I always held them accountable to experience those consequences as part of the learning required to develop the long-term goal of self-reliance and independence. When it comes to employment, are some parents going too far in supporting their children? You be the judge. A recent survey reported that a significant portion of business and industry hiring managers had received some kind of contact from the parents of the Y-generation candidates they were interviewing for a job. That's a pretty connected and engaged parent. At the same time, are we sure that these fiercely supportive parents are supporting their kids' awareness of the vast opportunities before them, even if they don't go to college? I believe that what we are confronting is an awareness gap about the kinds of opportunities available to our children. My parents loved me. There has never been a doubt of that. They would have done anything for my brothers and me and have been remarkably supportive throughout the course of my life. What they never did was make excuses for my lack of performance or help cover my butt when I was out on the limb and the branch was about to creak because of my own decisions. The greatest lessons they taught me were during the times they left me to deal with the consequences of my own actions alone, when I taught myself because they allowed me to experience the penalties. But it's also critical to acknowledge that some young people today don't have helicopter or engaged parents. In fact, they might have parents who have severely neglected or abused them if their parents were in the picture at all. For these young people, their branch creaked at far too young of an age. Many have either been kicked out of their home or left on their own. Some students attend school during the day and couch surf at friends' houses at night. Others live under a bridge. Some parents have been known to sneak their kids into garages every night to sleep because they lack a suitable home. Many parents struggle with their own lives while also trying to rear their kids. They are real people dealing with real issues. 
I remember hearing a story about a six-year-old first grader whose father left for work about 7 a.m. every morning, leaving the child to feed himself breakfast, lock the door, put the key under the mat, and walk to the bus stop by himself. Mom was dealing with an addiction and was not around. This six-year-old would then come home to an empty house each day until his dad got home around dinner time. Due to the relationship and mutual respect this student had with his teacher, he eventually shared this secret reality with her. As a result, he went to live with grandparents who were better able to take care of him. And this is one of the milder cases. At least this child had a home and a father. Many other children do not. I share this story because every teacher knows stories like this where the branch has creaked for their students at too young an age. It helps explain why many students are insecure and lack self-confidence, motivation, and the belief that they can achieve amazing things. There's also the threat of young people turning to drugs as early as the sixth grade for many reasons that include curiosity and bullying and stress. Their branch has creaked in a different way, and they don't know how to deal with it. These young people have not failed, but life circumstances over which they have no control have dealt them a challenging reality. I believe part of the answer, in addition to teaching critical coping skills, is to show these young people that there is indeed a light at the end of the tunnel for them. They need to see that their hardships can potentially become advantages since they have learned not just to survive, but to thrive. Life may have knocked them down, but they got back up. One of the first things we have to do is build their hope that things can be better and they can rise above the challenges in their lives. We have to help them find their light and show them the way, their way, through the tunnel. The statement, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, is doubly true for students coming from disadvantaged backgrounds. They crave positive and happy people who take the time to share meaningful encouragement and support. Many have experienced not just a passive lack of affirmation, but its active opposite, put-downs and bullying. Although I believe a healthy self-esteem cannot be conferred and must come from within, some young people have become so used to negative messages that they need help framing positive affirmations that bring hope. When they feel respected, they reciprocate that respect quickly and work harder to achieve more. We have to believe they can do it because when we do, it's contagious and they will start believing it too. Whatever end of the parenting spectrum today's young people have experienced, I believe they have everything within themselves to be the next greatest generation. As I've said earlier, right now as a generation, they simply lack the catalyst to ignite that fire. After all, the greatest generation of World War II didn't come out of the womb better than any other generation. They earned the nickname Greatest Generation as a result of the branch creaking for our country as we were thrust into a two-theater war in Europe and the Pacific that threatened our freedom. The Y generation has the intelligence, resources, and pit bull-like tenacity to step into the breach when called on by our country to make a difference in the face of a major national crisis. It will happen when and if the branch creaks and they feel the heavy weight of a country in danger. That healthy fear of loss and sense of urgency will ignite their spirit, require their knowledge, take advantage of their desire to give back, and demand their attention in a way they have not experienced before. 
It is at that time that we as a nation will be forced to focus on the challenges at hand, strategically plan a suitable course, and take massive action to neutralize the impending threats that come our way. I consider this a powerful message of hope as it relates to the ability of the Y generation to solve the next round of challenges our country faces. Together, we can move forward in a world where the landscape is always shifting under our feet and all too often the branch seems overloaded with the weight of so many out on the limb. That completes the reading of Answering Why, Unleashing Passion, Purpose, and Performance in Younger Generations by me, Mark Perna. For more information, please visit my website at markcperna.com. That's M-A-R-K-C-P-E-R-N-A.com. Thank you for listening. I'd like to thank Mark for sharing his book with us today, and thank you for listening to the Authors Read Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to the book. If you'd like to support the Authors Read Podcast, please like, subscribe, or share. Until next time!